the one thing that would have been better than this is if we were doing a, uh, an episode that had Rory in it. Because I could make so many Ireland jokes. Oh, the Irish hate the Queen. Exactly. And we're both I, Irish. We don't need Rory here. We can just be Irish and hate the Queen. That's so true. <laughs> and welcome to the Sing Stations podcast. My name is Olive, and in the interest of not being super negative as we open up, I would just like to say, please go see Julie Benko in Funny Girl on Thursday evenings. <laughs> Hi, I'm Eliza, and I unironically think that Will Schuster is a monarchist. <laughs> please elaborate. It's just a vibe I get. Uh, it's Thursday, September 8th. Queen Elizabeth just died, um, uh, and I was thinking, you know, for if we end up doing the bit at the end today, the um, our segment, we should do only songs by the band Queen. And then I was like, thank God Glee isn't on the air today. Can you imagine them having to do the Queen is Dead episode? Can you imagine them having Harry Styles guest star on an episode? Jesus, I would kill myself. <laughs> Frankly, like this is September 8th. We are in the midst of Harry Styles potentially spitting on Chris Pine at the Don't Worry Darling premiere. We are also one day out from Leah Michelle premiering in Funny Girl on Broadway. This is perhaps the most like planets have aligned for our podcast. And we're recording one of the best episodes of Glee. That's the other thing. This isn't just like an episode that's like a nothing burger this is like one of the glee episodes and like let me just do my thing here where i talk about what it was like to experience this episode this episode original song which as the title might imply where they perform songs that were written by the members of glee not actually written by the members of glee written by you know music producers in a studio because They've genetically engineered the most pop-sounding songs possibly possible. This took the cultural zeitgeist of Glee being unavoidable to a whole new level. Not only did you have to endure the Glee cover of Don't Stop Believin' every time you went into a Target, now you were going to hear Get It Right and Loser Like Me everywhere you fucking went. I feel that this episode is what cemented Glee as, like, perhaps one of the most iconic television shows of all of all time. And I'll say that. I'll say that. I'll agree Friends, with this. Friends who? I don't know her. I don't like Friends. Yeah. <laughs> and we it all know sucks. that the television shows that Eliza likes are exactly what determines good television. Exactly. I am the only unbiased person on Earth. Yep, perfect. So as we anyway, um, so let's hop into this episode with as strong a cold open as this episode gave us, which is Blaine pushing the doors open uh, in the Warbler Room of Dalton Academy, throws papers in the air, makes a goddamn mess. The way I have there's this... only one Queen I stand, and it's Kurt Kummel in this scene. <laughs> the way I have this entire scene fucking memorized. He pushes the doors open, throws the papers everywhere. They land all over Kurt, and Kurt looks so annoyed. He is pissed throughout this entire number, although it does slap. Misery by Maroon 5 slaps in the first place, but like this acapella arrangement just takes it to that next level. I know that you are an acapella person, so I will respectfully refrain from commenting. The choreography is there. Every, it feels like all of the members of the Warblers kind of get their little moment because we see like Riker Lynch doing his dancing and Kurt Mega and like, God, I love them all so much. And what this mem number is like showing us is all of the members of the Warblers are very talented, right? They're great performers. So why is it that Blaine is the only one who ever gets solos? Which I gotta say, I gotta say, the annoyed little dancing side eye, whatever, whatever Kurt Hummel is, whatever Chris Colfer is doing in this scene, perfection. It's Don't like he's trying to escape the musical number, which is how some might say 
watching Glee feels. Just like the sarcastic, it's not like quite a side eye, but like it's the very specific emotion of going through rehearsal for the third time. Uh, because the person doing the lead messed up and you have to do this scene again, even though you're like villager four, if you, you, you know, like the, the specific emotion I'm trying to evoke here. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with being in the ensemble of a show. The ensemble is what makes a show good, but also mm-hmm. that feeling of like, okay, this is like the 17th time I've done this. Can I go home, please? Yeah. It's, it's, it's giving... It's giving, am I really needed to be present at this moment? And the song ends and, you know, Blaine's so enthusiastic. He's like, hey, Kurt, what did you think of the number? And, you know, Kurt He says it's their opening number for regionals. Yes. Which, and also the entire time he's like making lovey eyes and putting his head on Kurt's shoulder and like trying to get him in on it. And Kurt is very much like, I'm, bro, I'm trying to study. Yeah. Um, and Kurt goes, you know, can I really be honest with you about this song? It's very, quote, been there, done that. And look, you're amazing, Blaine. Your solos are breathtaking. They're also numerous and the sass. You see the difference between the Hummelberry friendship and even not just as a ship, but as like a friendship of Blaine, is that you can say that to Blaine and have him not take it as a personal slight. <laughs> I will also say this is more perhaps just like me knowing you as a person and I'm not sure if I'll leave this in because perhaps it's too niche of a thing but I've referenced quite a few niche things on this podcast of ours you know the tumblr memes that like circulated perhaps most popularly in the 2010s but sometimes you'll still see them where people will incorrectly attribute quotes like from one tv show but replace the characters because it could also apply to them. Incorrect quotes blogs, I'm aware. The lines, do I detect a little jealousy? Oh no, you detect a lot of jealousy are lines I hear you saying. I can hear you, Eliza, say, oh no, you detect a lot of jealousy. That's, I I think that's fair. Yeah. That's probably fair, yeah. And uh, Kurt says, he feels like we're Blaine and the Pips, like we're just all Blaine's backup dancers. And we leave it at that. With 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 Blaine making the most little like hurt puppy dog face. Yeah, because his not quite boyfriend said he didn't like his solo number. The boy who said that he didn't uh didn't like back, didn't like his solo number. I love this kind of evolution where it's like they got that i thought that you were going to confess to me on valentine's day oh i just don't think about you that way like he's still trying to impress blaine but it doesn't seem as like i must be perfect at all times it's a bit yeah. more like I have a personality and if you don't like it that's your problem which well, is the curve that i love it almost feels like a bit of a role reversal now too because Blaine very much seems like he's trying to impress Kurt throughout this number and like get Kurt included and like make sure that they're always really close to each other. Yes. And it's like kind of seems like you're down bad a little bit, just a little bit. It's almost like kissing Rachel Berry is all that you needed to realize that um the good Taylor Swift in the You Belong With Me music video was standing right there in front of you all along. You're so right, Bestie. <laughs> so we go from there to Rachel and Finn walking into the choir room and Rachel's like, look, I took all of your notes from my headband and I really tapped into my pain with this song. And she begins to sing a song about how she is an only child. I and hate is, this song, but is, in earnest, you're not supposed to like it. So yeah, you're not supposed to like it. It's so melodramatic. It's like, you know, there's only, there's only one egg and I'm just flying one way. And I'm only one person. And how dare my dads only have one child? And it's like, Rachel, maybe consider how difficult it was for your two gay dads in the 90s to have just one adopted kid, let alone multiple. Like a surrogate, especially. Yeah. Like, that's even, like I, I don't know how to explain it to you that you were very expensive, Rachel. And God, I don't want Rachel Berry knowing how expensive she was. 
Jesus, right? Apparently, I think in an episode where we learn about Shelby Corcoran, she says something along the lines of they paid her enough money to live in New York for two years. And I don't want to do that math right now, but that's a lot of money. Um. So anyway, the, she stops singing and goes like, it's it's the song called Only Child. And Finn is like trying to find positives, but he's like, it kind of seems like you're only dealing with the kind of surface level, easy pain. Like you're not really accessing digging deep for anything yeah and rachel goes no i'm I'm perfectly capable of accessing my pain i cry every time i sing a solo yeah that's called overacting and as they're like doing this little argument about this we pan over to quinn watching them in the hallway and she talks about how you know she sees finn kind of still being into rachel even though we know finn and quinn have kind of reignited their relationship she knows that he still kind of has a thing for rachel similarly to you know how when he was with rachel he still kind of had a thing with quinn (laughs) yeah or how quinn kind of still has a thing for puck yeah or how when she was dating sam she still kind of had a thing for finn (laughs) It's almost like no one in these glee clubs can go more than like three days without cheating on their partner. Quinn talks further about the real reason she's dating Finn, which is because she wants to be prom queen. And she says prom queens live on average five years longer than regular people. It's probably because they smile a lot. It's probably because given the statistical popularity sort of thing of a prom queen they're more likely to be affluent and white you don't say crazy but you know quinn knows that she needs to stay with finn because finn's a shoe in for prom king so like they can win it together and in order to stay close to finn she's gonna have to like keep your friends close enemies closer kind of stay close to rachel as well cut back into uh, Dalton Academy with the Warblers where uh, Kurt has been taking care of Pavarotti, by the way. We didn't mention that in the first scene, but um, it's starting to be winter. and He made a, a Burberry-themed cage cover for Pavarotti. I'm obsessed with him. What month is it supposed to be? Who knows? I just It just occurred to me, we really haven't talked about the time slash setting of Glee in a couple episodes. It's winter well, time. Well, it was Christmas. Yeah, wait. We've already done Valentine's Day, too. So it's... Shouldn't it be, like, March or April? It should be. It's not, for whatever it's, reason. They definitely talk about it being, like, really cold out this episode. Anyway. Um, Blaine brings attention to the Warblers. And first of all, they're arguing about whether they should wear blue ties with red piping and jackets with red ties and blue piping. And someone goes, this is a kangaroo court. And it is <laughs> so iconic. Just the, the warblers, warblers, you will always be famous. <laughs> yeah, the ensemble warblers have some of the most iconic parts on the show. And Kurt walks in in a full black funeral attire and goes, Pavarotti is dead. I suspect it's stroke. And he gives this beautiful little monologue about how, like, the bird inspired him with his optimism and his love of song. And I know that today we need to practice doo-wopping behind Blaine while he sings every solo in a medley of pink songs. God! But I'd like to to sing to Pavarotti today. And he performs a beautiful cover of Blackbird by the Beatles. And it is genuinely tear-inducing. It is so beautiful. I know that Glee will later do multiple Beatles episodes, but like this is just Chef's Kiss, one of the best Kurt solos. Genuinely. Um, and as he is performing, as as you and I know often happens when we listen to Kurt Hummel sing beautiful music. So true. We pan over to Blade. And it is like Blaine is having some kind of quiet, very soft epiphany where he's Aaron actually Chris's doing... Emmy is where? 
he's it's like he's doing internal reflection for the very first time in his life we all know that blaine blaine is real himbo energy and so this may very well be the first time we've seen like thought behind his eyes it definitely is this is the first time we get a glimpse of blaine back from the never been kissed episode mm -hmm. where it's like that blaine as opposed to um the sad evolution that will one day lead us to Cronut Blaine. Um, yeah, rip. But, like, the, the the capital A acting that's going yeah. on with Gary and Chris right now. And the fact that it's all acting with no words. Like, really. With just his eyes. Like, oh, just his facial expressions. Just his eyes. God. Um, We go from there. Beautiful. Claps all around. Hard cut back into the McKinley High Glee Club, where uh, Willa has announced that even though they planned on performing Sing by My Chemical Romance, he has been given a cease and desist letter from the band, which, like, I guess is possible. I The Glee Club does not make money off of their sectionals, regionals, nationals performances, so I don't see how this isn't just fair use slash, like, like changing something enough that you make it your own. Like, does that make sense? I don't it think it sense. violates copyright copyright i definitely don't know enough to say for sure um, anyway and mercedes is like oh we bet coach sylvester had something to do with this cut and it's will and sue arguing about it and sue admits that she met the drummer of my chemical romance um i just need to i just need to add in here to just you know continue so people understand the absolute insanity i've been living through this is also the same week that we got Cat Girl Gerard Way. I, yeah. S- listen, September 8th, everybody. Just First week of September, fucking bonkers. Gerard Way has been a queer icon for a while. And, you know, we just have to accept this about him. I just feel that's important to remind people when we talk about Sue having met the drummer from My Chemical Romance. Well, so I did a little Googling. I don't know if MCR had a, like, a long-term drummer. They had Matt Pellissier Pellissier, and Bob Breyer. I don't know which one Sue is referring to, but they met back in 1996, which, as we know, Sue Sylvester is approximately 30 years old. (laughs) And so in 1996, she would have been in, like, 20s yeah she would have been younger than 20 in 1996 who no it it was a drum circle in daytona beach it was spring break maybe she was like 19 19 year old sue sylvester on spring break in daytona beach and briefly having an affair with the drummer of my chemical romance anyway um and she notified i hate every word that i just said she notified the band about Will's long-running legal battle with PETA and uh, says, like, oh, well, you took away my Cheerios, so now I'm taking away your songs. Consider this the opening salvo of World War Sue. No one's doing it like her. <laughs> no one else. And as as the Glee Club is now faced with, like, well, what are we going to do? We're, you know, maybe a week out from regionals and we can't do our one song that we had planned and rachel brings up this idea again like we should write original songs for regionals and everyone thinks that we're going to vote rachel down a second time but quinn says no i think rachel's right this team works best when we push ourselves and do something different and then quinn also or and then finn also supports them because finn is like hey if quinn and rachel can agree on something then like great like let's do it so everyone claps. They're going to do original songs. We go from there. Um, quick recap. We didn't do a recap at the beginning of this episode, but, you know, Brittany and Santana have had a bit of a strain on their relationship since Santana told Brittany she loved her. And Brittany said, no, I'm dating Artie. I'm not just going to leave him for you. Mm-hmm. So Brittany comes up to Santana and, you know, is like, hey, like, I still want to be your friend. I still want to be really close to you. And 
Santana is like, listen, I'm over you. You blew me off. And now I'm going to do this. I'm going to write an awesome heterosexual song about Sam that we're going to sing at regionals. And she calls Artie Stubbles McCripple Pants. And of course, Brittany is like super confused. Like, wait, you're still dating Sam? Didn't you just say that you didn't want to be with Sam? Um, and then Sue walks up to them and calls them Tweedledum and Tweedlefake boobs. And as they are both opening up their <laughs> I lockers, always forget that the scene is in this episode because so much also happens in this episode. Yeah. Santana and Brittany open their lockers at the same time and both get covered in a pile of dirt. Because, because Sue, has- Sue said, you betrayed me. And in case you haven't heard, I like to play dirty. Yeah. And so she has filled their lockers with dirt. I know that no one gives a shit about the bullying at this school, but couldn't you go to the principal and be like, hey, my teacher filled my locker with dirt? Is Sue still blackmailing Figgins? No, she gave up on that because um, she wanted them to have another year. Oh, Sue Sylvester, right. the most complex television character ever written, wanted Glee so to have cool. another year, but is now like, you're not allowed to sing any songs at regionals. It's like how Batman and the Joker can't kill each other. <laughs> and then we go back into and the back to the warblers. Ping pong and back and forth this episode. In which someone, in which one of the warblers, Thad, says, you know, I think Blaine's version of the song is actually better than the original. And I don't know and what he's right. song... I don't care what the song is. He's right. Yeah, I don't know what song he's referring to, but he's correct. And Blaine calms everyone down and goes, I'm tired of the Warblers being all about me. And he goes, we are going to lose at regionals. And everyone goes, yes, what? How could this be? And Blaine's like, listen, I cannot keep being the solo member of this group we cannot beat them on my own yeah we can't beat the new directions because the new directions you know are a powerhouse of like individuality that's what their whole fucking thing how they're like kind of a mess sometimes but it's okay because like we're all a big family that loves each other we're all minorities we're in the glee club and so he proposes that um we lost one of our own this week. Pavarotti's voice was silenced by death and I don't want to silence anyone else's voice. And so he proposes that... I think Pavarotti would roll over in his tiny, tiny little grave. Tiny, tiny little grave. Um, He wants to do a duet at regionals. So like share the stage with someone, which is also kind of as a proposition funny to me because Blaine is like oh no I'm not giving up all my solos but I will allow one of my solos to be a duet and so Kurt's like can I get my name on the audition list and Blaine is like no 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 auditions I'm only singing with Kurt which is also like very very Blaine thing to do in the first place as well because the we're supposed to believe that the warblers have this like hierarchy of like the senior class members who like choose the songs and stuff yet blaine is also here being like oh no i know exactly what we're gonna do for regionals and you all just have to listen to me you all just have to listen to me and also you don't get to say no yeah so great although um, i don't think that any of the warblers would have said no it's just like funny to bring up yeah i guess none of the other warblers want to have a solo or maybe they just like kurt that much you. you know what? I too just like Kurt that much. And then back in the new directions, I'm assuming all of this is happening approximately on the same school day within the span of like a day or two. I would hope. I would um, think that Pavarotti. That's not important. I would say maybe be Pavarotti dying and the. Because Kurt's not in his bang and funeral outfit anymore. So I'd say maybe this is like a month, like maybe like Monday or Tuesday. And then this is like. Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't know. Yeah, and we also know that they're we also know that they're about a week out from regionals because then we get to regionals this episode. What is important is this number. Because it is one of the most important, best, most like this is when you think glee, 
you think this scene and this scene is of course trouty mouth trouty mouth where we're back in the new directions choir room and will's like sitting everyone down quinn and rachel have broken off and they're gonna write a song together but everyone else is gonna write a song in in their group too because i guess only two members of the glee club have to write one song and then everyone else gets to write another and santana's like hey mr shu i've already written a song Tina and I are going to perform it. And she begins a song called Trouty Mouth, which is about Sam and his big fucking lips, which I just want to say, Court Overstreet's mouth is not that big. It's like a little bit larger than one might expect, and they have made an entire thing out of it. The song begins, Guppy Face, Trouty Mouth. Is that how people's lips look where you come from in the South? Grouper mouth, froggy lips. I love sucking on those salamander lips. Want to put a fish hook in those lips so cherry red. If you tried hard enough, you could suck a baby's head. And then Will cuts her off. You're doing such a great job at being heterosexual, Santana. Yeah. A plus. <laughs> this is absolutely how people talk about individuals they are attracted to, 100%. Yeah, by making fun of their physical appearance. Perfect. And of course, Sam is like, can we stop with the mouth jokes? Because um, of course. But then Puck gets up and is like, hey, that song sucked. I wrote a song that's better. And then he sings a song about Lauren called Big Ass Dot 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 Heart. Which is about a woman who is so fat that her that she goes to the doctor and they go oh you're gonna need to lose weight you're gonna need to cut carbs like you're so fat you need to lose weight but then they take an x-ray and they learn she just has a big ass heart and for some reason this is treated like his big romantic moment to lauren and so much better than fat bottom girls and i'm just here wondering can't you sing a song to lauren that is about something it's other not than about her weight. weight. Like, this is treated like, oh my god, so romantic. He wrote a song for her. What? I hate Puck. And then Will calls the song a contender. Like, yeah, maybe we'll think about that one. That was pretty good. No, it wasn't. There's maybe like a couple funny lines in both of them, but I, you want, you think those songs are gonna win regionals? Against the Warblers? Against the Warblers? I think the fuck not. Lies, slander, just the absolute disrespect. Yeah. And then we cut to Quinn and Finn in the hallway. And they're starting to talk about prom a little bit. And F Finn is kind of taken aback. Like, he, didn't, he wasn't even really thinking about prom at all. But Quinn's like, look, I've been supporting rachel and you know now that we're gonna win regionals and maybe even nationals like we're gonna be back on top so we need to get elected for prom king and queen it's a status symbol and finn's like i don't think that's a good idea quinn of course knows that like this is because of rachel mm -hmm. <laughs> we get a very iconic exchange where she goes do you want to be in this relationship or not? And Finn goes, whoa, scary Quinn. And we kind of get that little like edge of bitchiness from season one that like, I support women's rights and I support women's wrongs. Quinn's allowed to be a little bit of a bitch. Society, if Ryan Murphy had just gone all in on either personality, I just would have preferred if he'd been like, yes, definitively, she's just this, this bitchy character who's only out for herself. Or but if, Diana like, Agron is just too sympathetic for that. Well, yeah, but like it just, I don't know, Quinn gets so poorly written after season one, it makes me feel bad. And so we go from that example of like, hmm, maybe this relationship won't really work out, to perhaps the most romantic scene I've ever so, fucking- can we, just, can we just fully do a dramatic reading of the climax of this scene? Which is, let me- set the scene and then we will just have to read it kurt is minding his own business making Pavarotti a tiny little casket to be buried in 
bedazzled casket. A bedazzled casket. For you to know. And Blaine walks in and he goes, I have the perfect song for our number and we should rehearse. And he suggests Candles by Hey Monday, which is actually like a little bit more of like a kind of a pop punk indie sound. I don't know. And Blaine says, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit more emotional. And why don't you just say Blaine's little piece there? Okay. Blaine says, Kurt, there is a moment you say to yourself, oh, here you are. I've been looking for you forever. Watching you do Blackbird this week. That was a moment for me. About you. You moved me, Kurt. And this duet would just be an excuse to spend more time with you. And then they kiss. They kiss. And uh, because this scene is fucking burned into my brain, I will never get over the fucking, like, hand that Kurt drops on the table. It just, I... Let us not forget that Kurt, Kurt's only other, like, kissing experience is with Dave Karofsky at this point. Let us not forget the Never Been Kissed episode. And I know that you're a Dave Karofsky stan. No, no, I'm saying this is beautiful because we know that Kurt's only other experience has been so horrendous. Okay, okay. This is not me being a Karofsky sympathizer. This is me going, like, there is something so beautiful about Kurt getting to experience real romance. Mm Mm-hmm. And this being framed as, like, this big, cute, romantic moment. Because it is! It really is. And... I will say I'm not sh- I'm sure other young people had the same experience as me um how this was the episode where we really like confirmed Blaine and Kurt's relationship you know we kind of sh- people shipped it beforehand but viewers at the time were not sure how much the show was going to allow people to see gay relationships not just gay characters gay relationships yeah. and I remember my mom wouldn't let me watch this scene, said it was inappropriate, and said, like, oh, well, that's not important. We don't need to watch that and just brushed it under the rug. I That was in, you know, 2010, 2011, whenever this aired. I don't think I watched this scene till, like, 2014, 2015. And I remember watching it and being like, this is some of the most beautiful acting I've ever fucking seen. It is insanity that there was a po- point in time there are still people nowadays who would watch this scene and go, that's disgusting. Insanity. That's inappropriate. And this scene ends with the sweet, the sweet little exchange of Blaine all smiling and blushy and going, we should, we should practice. And Kurt going all like, he's also like blushing a little and giggling, but he's the more like, I thought we were. He's breathless. And he goes, I thought we were. Uh, So good. So good. If God hates the guy- gays, why do we keep winning? If God hates the gays, why do we keep winning? Yeah. The queen and is dead and this episode exists. <laughs> and from there, we go into a song which granted a lot of microaggressions in this song. I will not d- defend it. However, musically, it does slap. Hell to the No by Mercedes Jones. It does slap and Mercedes solo. Mercedes solo. I will take it. This frankly i think they could have sung this at regionals yeah this is a genuinely good song the lyrics you know i'm not going to defend them it's not my place to make any sort of arguments about these microaggressions they talk there are lyrics about her being fat there's lyrics about her being black it just slaps though and i think even amber riley at one point used the tiktok audio that was like yes i did that and you would too for a check i think at one point she even commented herself like yeah yeah, I did that to get paid. And I'm work. obsessed with Amber Riley. She deserves I'm... it. And and Mr. Shu goes, oh, I'm just not sure that that was regionals material. And you said that Puck's fucking song, you said Trouty Mouth could be a contender. I, it's <laughs> racism is what it is. And what I want to say now, Will, Will, you know, circles everyone up and goes, guys, just think about it. What's your favorite song of all time? Brittany goes, my headband. Santana goes, Alanis Morissette's You Oughta Know. Puck goes, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. I refuse to believe that Noah Puckerman understands any of the cultural context behind Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. 
However, it does track that Santana's favorite song is You Oughta Know. That does make sense. This is such a rich text of an episode. I cannot praise this episode enough for its script writing, the characterization, the the snappy dialogue that Glee is known for. This is like case in point, holding it up on it like a fucking pedestal for us. Genuinely. And Will goes, okay, yeah, what are all those songs about? And Brittany goes, headbands. And basically what he ends up saying is, you know, all of the best songs come from a place of pain. So they've got to, you know, dig in to find what hurts. Yeah. And so they start listing things that like cause them pain on a day-to-day basis. The first of which being that Sue Sylvester filled Brits and Santana's lockers with dirt. Insanity. And then Mercedes adds, she literally throws sticks at me. And we get a cutaway scene of Sue throwing sticks at Mercedes's head. There are times when I just genuinely can't believe this show is real. And then Tina says, Sue called the Ohio Secretary of State saying she was me and that I wanted to legally change my name to Tina Cohen Loser. And Will writes Loser on the board and goes, okay, how does that make you feel? And Finn goes, well, first it hurts, but then it mostly makes you want to win. And then that's what we leave off on. You know, like, we're all losers, but we're going to win this time. Cut two. Rachel and Quinn doing their little songwriting. Except Quinn is sitting at the piano by herself in the auditorium. I don't know what she was doing beforehand. I guess she was just sitting in silence. Rachel walks in and goes, we're friends, right? And Quinn goes, yeah, I guess so. Rachel goes, you you gave your baby to my mom. We kind of bonded over it. They certainly did not bond over it. In fact, they did I would not argue, bond over it together. I would argue that it was pretty insulting for Rachel to want to have a relationship with her mom and then for Shelby to be like, nah, I don't want you, but I will adopt your bully's baby. And Rachel, you know, makes this point like, we're cl- we're not that close, but we're close enough to be honest with each other. And she asks, are you and Finn together? And Quinn goes, yes, it's been a couple weeks. It's like Groundhog's Day with you, Rachel. How many times do you have to make the same mistake to realize it's not going to work out? Oof. That little, like, vindictiveness in her. And Rachel's like, don't try to rewrite history. He chose me over you. I, after he found out that Quinn had cheated on him with Puck and was had in fact lied to him about whose baby this was. Yeah. Well, and, like, we all know that Quinn and Finn, like, obviously don't end up together. But, like, part of me is, like, at this point, do either of them want to be dating Finn that bad? Quinn wants to be dating Finn because she wants to be prom queen. But, like, do either of them like him right now? That's the other thing. I don't think the answer is yes. I'm very confused. Um, I like the idea of being with Finn. But uh, Quinn has a line here that's very significant where she says, um, you don't belong here, Rachel. Well, and then Rachel says, uh, like, I'm not giving up. It's not over between me and Finn. And Quinn blows up on her and she goes, yes, it is. You're living out this little schoolgirl fantasy. And if you keep looking for that happy ending, you're never going to say it with me. Get it right. And then that ends up being the title of Rachel's song because she goes no I'm gonna write the song on my own and that's like her little moment where she's like no I can do this by myself I know that you love Rachel I know you do I don't fault you for it but I've had enough of this bitch Rachel is such an icon like you cannot deny she Rachel is at some points almost as iconic as Sue Sylvester and that's not me praising Leah Michelle by any means Leah Michelle is a garbage person the character is pretty iconic sometimes. Yeah, uh, fair. We go from there to uh, Will and Sue, a little meeting before they head off to regionals. And um, Sue is like, oh, I forged that letter from My Chemical Romance. I didn't sleep with their drummer. The drummer I slept with was from Jimmy Eat World. And, Sue, and Will is like, well, you know what, Sue? It gave my kids the opportunity to try songwriting and sue says william 
while your kids are singing songs about blackheads and eczema, I will be unleashing a set list custom made for the panel of judges. And we turn and see, because we cut to regionals, the judges are Rod Remington, quote unquote, recent Tea Party candidate and homeschooler, Tammy Jean Albertson, played by Kathy Griffin. I always, that is another one of those guest stars where it's like, remember when Kathy Griffin was on Glee and you just say, are you on crack? And then I know you like don't quite know this person or like care as much, but then the next judge is quote, former exotic dancer and current Carmelite nun, Sister Mary Constance, played by Loretta Devine, famous for her role as the original Laurel in Dreamgirls insanity like the amount just the sheer uh, like number of off the wall guest stars people were able that that glee was able to get yeah and it's also this is such a weird lineup for a competition frankly does make more sense than josh groban and olivia newton john judging a glee club competition but like a failed local level a local broadcaster a local broadcaster a local failed politician and a local nun and then we see oral intensity singing jesus is my friend and we know that you know sue knew who the judges were going to be and of course sees that there's a republican tea party candidate and a nun and goes great let's do a jesus song we cut to uh, Kurt and Blaine backstage and, you know, Kurt is very nervous. He's never had a solo in front of an audience. And Blaine goes, you're adorable. And the only people who are going to be dying tonight are the people in that audience because you and I are going to kill this thing. And they go out and they start Candles by Hey Monday. I actually really like this duet. A lot of people don't. It is a little bit milk toast, but like it's good. It's good because, I mean, like, their voices sound beautiful together. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people don't like it because it sounds very different from the original version. The original version is sung by a woman. It's also got a little bit more of, like, a rock sound to it. Whereas the Glee version is almost, like, kind of softer and more gentle. So, like, I understand how it sounds kind of weird to the ear. I really like it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they do Raise Your Glass by Pink, which is back to just being a complete Blaine solo, but still slaps. I'll never turn down a Blaine solo. He gets that many solos for a reason. It's because he's good. Yeah. And like a a good solid show. Like they're obviously going to be oral intensity first and foremost, you know. Gotta, Gotta throw out a mention for the face darren chris makes on dirty little freaks oh yeah there's something about like this was the first i'm I'm back on candles by hey monday now this was the first romantic duet we got oh no baby it's cold outside was the first romantic duet we i got was about to say do not slander and forget baby it's cold outside don't do that to me but that was also like before they were together and like it's not really you know, it's a Christmas episode that no one really cares about. Whereas, like, this was, like, plot-heavy episode. Extremely character-relevant moment where Kurt gets his first solo in any competition. And at their at the end of their duet, when everyone... They get a standing ovation in the middle of their performance because they do candles first and everyone stands up in the audience to clap for them. And Blaine moves Kurt in front of him and has yep. everyone clap for just Kurt screaming crying throwing up i yeah. know the girlies on tumblr were going insane for this scene um and and yeah raise your glasses immaculate too like I, it's not the most choreographed but i would argue i'd rather this than it being like over choreographed which we will later see in the sebastian Smythe years god um and we cut to rachel you know their performance ends Rachel and Finn are backstage and Finn says, hey, break a leg. Rachel goes, the last time you were here, you told me you loved me. And it's like, okay. okay and? <laughs> like, very dramatic. I I mean, I like the 
scene from the previous regionals where he says i love you but like rachel it's been a year maybe rachel just the concept have you considered getting over it have you considered like not bringing up your personal life all the time have you considered that some of us have lives that aren't you uh, this whole god i not to harp on rachel too much but jesus fucking christ and so they announce you know william mckinley high new directions and she gets out and begins her song get it right which is this beautiful soaring ballad about like never feeling good enough and like always trying and trying and feeling like you're never quite getting it right and what's what i find funny here is she gets like an entire verse and chorus into the song and then we cut into the audience and kurt says oh my god they're doing original original songs and i'm like you didn't realize that from the first like maybe 10 words she sung i just find it funny that it takes him so far into the song to be like oh my god that's fair i I know that you are a Rachel Berry enjoyer. I know that you probably like this song. I do. I think it's great. And also, like, as an emotional, like, family's history of mental illness really starting to hit around 2011, kid, like, a song that's all about, like, nothing I do is ever good enough, all that I touch tumbles down. Like, that shit hits. Yes, it's over-emotional. Yes, it's, like, cheesy songwriting. But it hits. And I'm happy for you. I really am. I'm just saying, I understand what this song is trying to do. I've also seen it done so much better. And I understand that diegetically within the universe of Glee, this is written by a 16-year-old. However, it was not written by a 16-year-old in actuality. Yeah, but it was written to appeal to 16-year-olds. So is Taylor Swift music. Yeah, you're right. They could have just done like any Taylor Swift song and it would have been better than this. They could have literally just hired Taylor Swift to write a song for Glee. She would have done it. Absolutely, she would have. Diana Agaron. Frankly, I'm shocked that she didn't. Yeah, actually, it's a crime that they never did a completely Taylor Swift episode of Glee. I've been saying! And so Rachel finishes her solo. Everyone's going crazy for it. I, I've said my piece. I think it's a good song. And she does it well. We know that Leah Michelle is a good singer. And that's all I'm going to say. And then we go into the pop sensation that that hit the charts and really put Glee on the map more than it was before. The song Loser Like Me, which is sonically almost identical to Taylor Swift's Me! exclamation point, including the cheerleader-esque bridge. As far as I'm concerned, Taylor Swift ripped off loser like me fun piece of eliza lore this song was fucking everywhere and it made me hate glee yeah i I think a lot of people have that experience because it is kind of cheesy or it's just a song where it's like you know one day you're gonna be washing my car and i'm gonna be so much better than you you wish literally the amount of fucking one-liners that they stole that they stole from kurt and didn't the things that they used in a competition against him, the the disrespect. But it's also just like, I think a really well done song. Like, I I understand that when a song gets overplayed, you kind of just internalize a hatred for it no matter what. But to me, it wasn't overplayed because I enjoyed it, you know? Yeah, that's and, why I'm not saying shit. <laughs> and um, everyone's jamming out. And they have this fun, loose choreography. And at the end, they pull out these slushy machines and they uh, bring the big gulp cups. But instead of slushy, it's confetti. And they throw confetti into the audience. And it is great. It's a masterpiece. It's a good performance. I will give it that. And then we cut into, well, commercial break. But then we go into the judges room where um, Kathy Griffin and Loretta Devine just steal this sh- scene, period. But uh, honestly, this is also a scene that we need to recite word for word. Would you like to pick a character? Uh, I'll be Sister Mary. Okay, so I'm Kathy Griffin. Before we start, I would like to say that I'm not a witch, but I think it's fair to ask, do we have written proof that these kids were born in the United States of America? 
For a nun, I'm pretty liberal, but I'm barely a nun. In fact, I just joined because I needed a place to live. Bless you. The convent is the one place I knew I could stay off the pole. But my question is, that Dalton Academy, is it a gay school or is it just a school that appears gay? <laughs> it's it's such an iconic little, like, ah, they paid the money for both of these actresses and they were going to fucking use them. Um, there was also, then Rod comes in with, can I add a dash of Rod to this lady soup? My hairdresser is a gay, and for 15 years, he's been with his partner, also a hairdresser. I see no I reason. I see no reason why they shouldn't be allowed to marry and raise a family of beautiful wigs. And Sister Mary says she liked the duets the two boys from Dalton sang, and t- Kathy Griffin goes, oh, boys shouldn't do a duet. The last thing we need to do is send a message to children that gay is okay. It is not a legitimate lifestyle, and the last time I checked, it's not in the Constitution. The way, like, I know this character is supposed to be a parody, but it's like I can literally hear the conservative women I grew up around saying these lines. Like, (laughs) like, I know that this is supposed to be a parody, but I've literally met this woman multiple times, multiple versions of this woman before. I have met this woman wearing seven different outfits. Yeah. All at the same time. I've met. I can't believe I've met Kathy Griffin 20 times in my life. Gosh. It's insane. It really is. And, and Tammy, of course, thinks the Jesus song should win. And Loretta Devine goes, no, no, that is just cheap pandering. I didn't even like to be pandered to when I was a stripper. (laughs) Those new directions had it going on. Those songs were fresh. And Tammy goes, those songs were terrible. I'm sorry, but I'm a politician. And when I lost my last election, and there will be a recount, I didn't go around singing about being a loser. I twittered that Obama is a terrorist. I will also add some cultural context here and say, like, you know, this is 2011. This is prime, like, Obama needs to show us his birth certificate. This is prime, like, there needs to this be a This is literally, recount. she's a walking parody of the Tea Party. I feel like I can't even add that much commentary on this scene because once again, it is just like a prime example of the most snappy writing one can hear on broadcast network television. So they put it to a vote and, you know, we cut back to the stage. All three glee clubs are waiting and the lieutenant governor's wife comes on stage drunk and she goes, My husband is verbally abusive, and I've been drinking since noon. Huh? I'm sorry, what? There's so much to unpack here, but let's throw away the whole damn suitcase. (laughs) And she announces, the New Directions have won, and they're going to nationals in New York. And it is this slow motion, everyone cheering, like, Finally, we're going to get to nationals because, you know, unfortunately, they lost out last year. They couldn't go. So this is like season two. We're really making it. We're going places in the world. And Sue walks up to the the announcer and punches her in the face. It's... Hard cut, burying Pavarotti in a teeny tiny little bird grave. <laughs> This show gave us so much. (laughs) Like, I cannot stress enough how this is one of the most enjoyable viewing experiences of all of Glee. This is one of the best episodes of Glee. I, like, that's all I can say about it. And speaking of dialogue that is just absolutely, like, Kurt says, farewell, sweet prince, because of course he's going to make a Shakespeare reference. And then Blaine goes, oh, I'm so sorry, Kurt. I know this is really upsetting for you. It reminds you of your mom's funeral, doesn't it? And Kurt goes, the casket was bigger. (laughs) I cannot stress to you enough. This episode is just banger after banger. They said, oops, all one-liners. Like, it's just so absurdist to me that like the first thing Blaine would say at a bird funeral is like hey remember how your mom is dead listen we never claimed that he was smart oh no we never did and Kurt says you know honestly I'm upset we lost regionals and Blaine's like well we still can perform do you know how many gaps there are in Ohio tons god 
and he says well we did win we got each other out of all of this and that beats a lousy trophy don't you think and it's really sweet and they hold hands and i love them i it's stefan voice this episode has everything (laughs) it has everything number one of that list being the gays and then um we get a little closing vignette with the new directions where will congratulates everyone in the glee club um winning regionals was a team effort but he announces rachel as the mvp because she was the one who recommended that they write original songs and then you know she i don't want to skip over rachel berry thing and i don't want to skip over it entirely because i do think it is a nice little speech she talks about how she was very inspired by like the friendship she's had in glee club and she says all I've ever wanted was to feel special and to feel chosen. And I wanted to thank you guys so much for giving me that. And I find it funny that this is like the end of the episode because I feel like next episode, we're just going to get back to everyone hating Rachel all at once. Oh, but I'll let her have There's this. nothing funnier to me than Glee being like, and this moment of character growth has happened. Isn't that so great for everyone? Hard cut to the opening of the next episode. Character growth is gone. Gone. Absolutely. I'll let her have this one moment, but it's going to be gone next episode. So anyway, um, best song this episode? Hmm, that's a good question, actually. There's um, a lot. It can't, so there's so thing. many songs. I'm looking at the list right now. Can I just rank them for you? Yes. And you can tell me if, if you have slight changes. So, number one, Blackbird. Oh, obviously. Um, going from there, I would put Misery, and then Hell to the No, and then Loser Like Me, Raise Your Glass, Get It Right, Candles, Trouty Mouth, Only Child, Big Ass Heart. I would put Trouty Mouth maybe one step higher for the comedy factor, because it does come back later in the season. That's kind of the only one besides Hell to the No that they, like, reference again yeah i do like how they continuously make jokes about it because it is a hilarious song um but so i will i will i will pop trouty mouth one up for that but other than that i'll agree with that yeah blackbird is so immaculate and like big ass heart dumb don't care um so honestly i feel like we've seen very little of will schuster this episode whenever it's a a low level will episode i'm happy so anything illegal no i don't think so yeah no he did something illegal and that's implying that uh big ass heart could be a contender for regionals oh yeah illegal in that he liked big ass heart but then didn't like hell to the no it is illegal in my mind to disrespect mercedes like that exactly and now time for our final segment and here's what you didn't miss on glee and in honor of of the queen dying and Harry Styles possibly spitting on Chris Pine, I would say you pick a queen song, I'll pick a Harry Styles song. Jesus. Can we do the One Direction song, Diana? Front page saw your pictures. They make you look so smart. How could someone not miss you at all? Oh, yeah. Because that I was named after Princess Diana. <laughs> I would have loved to see uh, all the boys do Diana, even if it was just in like one of their prom episodes and they just did it as like a fun group number. That would have been so cute and sweet. Why did they do Friday by Rebecca Black, but not do Diana by One Direction? Not just any One Direction song. Yeah. One Direction was textbook of Glee Bait. They did do What Makes You Beautiful as a prom song. So I feel they could have easily added Diana in as well. Yeah. Okay, so. Did Bohemian Rhapsody did Another One Bites the Dust? Did Don't Stop Me Now? Did they do Under Pressure? No, they did not do Under Pressure. I, ooh. How about a little Mike Chang solo in there? Because he feels pressure. He feels pressure and he's not allowed to dance. 
I would have loved to see Harry Shum Jr. do under pressure. I'm in favor of this. Yeah. I'm in favor of it. And next episode is A Night of Neglect, which is another rather inappropriate episode. Not quite as bad as sexy right before this, but um, we're talking about nationals now because that is at the forefront of our minds. And guess who we get to see again? Sandy Ryerson. They really went, here's one of the worst episodes, one of the best, and then right back down. Yeah, the the peaks and valleys of Glee. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingStationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. We love reading your reviews. Please vote in our polls. We do ruthlessly debate each other over who is right. Bye. Bye.